This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. If you have your Bibles today, uh, let's turn over to Luke chapter 21. I want to remind you the book of Nahum, which is in the Old Testament, says that God reserves his wrath for his enemies. Everybody say his enemies. Now, I don't know how some of these end-time preachers and eschatologists, that's, that's people who preach on the end times, I don't know how they preach that all the wrath that's coming on the earth is going to come on God's people when God said he clearly reserves his wrath for his enemies. Amen. Aren't you glad? Amen. So the last thing you want to be is an enemy to God. And we're in a time now where people are believing some weird stuff. They are really peddling weird stuff outside those doors on the internet, People are believing some of the strangest and weirdest things that I can't even imagine that people could start to believe. But it's out there. Amen. And a lot of them, of course, are very critical of Christians. Now, our government, our country is into protecting all kinds of confused and strange things out in the world. And Christians seem to now suddenly be a target. Now, when your own government is looking at you as a target, you know, that's a pretty bad place to be at. But you know what? God knows how to take care of us no matter what's going on around us. And, and I'm not getting political because let me tell you, not a single one of them has it right. But we have a God that has it right. Amen? And, uh, you know, when you're having to defend yourself, you need to know what the Bible says. So we're going to talk about it today. Luke 21, Father, thank you for the word we're about to receive. We receive it with gladness in Jesus' name. All God's people shouted. So here, I know we've read some of this, so we are going to read through quickly. I promise to try to get you into something else. And this will be our last installment. I almost didn't preach on it today. I said, Lord, I've been preaching on this. This will be the fourth week. And surely to goodness, everybody understands what we're talking about. And surely I shouldn't talk about it. But he said, you know, People need to keep hearing Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. And if you're not ready, guess what? You're going to be in a bad place. But if you are, you're going to be in a good place. Amen. Luke 21, and we'll go down to verse, uh, oh, let's see. Let's just read a few verses real fast. Verse 25, and there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon, in the stars and on the earth, distress of nations, perplexity the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear. Does this all sound like this is what's happening on planet Earth right now? Men's hearts failing them for fear. That's why I don't watch horror movies and I don't watch all that stuff. And if you do, it's okay. And you can come to church here. If you sit up and watch the All Night Freddy Marathon, I don't care. You can come on to church here. You know, whatever floats your boat. But I'm just saying, 
I don't get into fear. God delivered me from fear. God has not given me the spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. And if you think somebody getting chopped up by a chainsaw is funny, you probably do need to be at the altar. <laughs> Amen. But anyway, I don't want to alienate you. We're not talking about that today. Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of heaven shall be shaken and then shall they see the son of man coming in a cloud. So Jesus is coming again. He's coming at a time when the world is in a complete mess, in complete distress, almost we would call it in a free for all. If you can see how we're about to straighten our stuff on this planet, you're not seeing what I'm seeing. I don't see a single sign out there that the leaders of this world have any clue how to solve the problems that are going on. Because they don't. They don't. Some of them are creating them. They're playing into them. Amen. And it says, and when these things begin to come to pass, so do you think they've already began? Can you see that? When they begin to come to pass, look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. Now, he wouldn't say when you see these things begin to come to pass. Notice he uses the word begin. So when you see them begin to come to pass, he didn't say look up and hold on because you're about to go through hell. No, he said look up because now your redemption is drawing nigh. In other words, the Lord said, I'm going to come get you before all hell breaks loose. Now, you're going to see some stuff coming on that's going to look pretty bad. You're going to be here when, when the beginning of it is, but before it all breaks out, look up, because I'm coming again in the clouds in power and glory, and then your redemption's coming. Aren't you glad? I am glad. Verse 29, And he spake to them a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees, when they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is now nigh at hand. So he said... Now, we're about to go into winter here. It, by the way, isn't the fall beautiful so far? If you don't live in this part of the country and you're watching online, wow, we're having a beautiful fall. Man, the colors are spectacular, the reds and yellows and golds and greens, and it looks so beautiful, but you better take pictures in the next three or four or five days because it won't be but another week or two, and all those pretty leaves are going to look brown, and another couple of weeks they're all going to be on the ground, and we're going to be raking. I mean, you know what I'm saying. But you know, if something strange will happen, we'll get into December, we'll get into January, we'll get into February around here, we'll get into March, and all of a sudden when we have some warm weather about the middle end of March, those same old trees that look so ugly and, and desolate and destitute, all of a sudden some little buds will get on there. And then you get into April and get a little rain and a little more sunshine and a little more warmth and all of a sudden they'll begin to bud and it won't be long and they'll be blooming. And the Bible says you don't even have to be a rocket scientist to know. You can look at that and tell the signs, hey, we're about to have spring. We're about to have summer. Jesus uses this to get their attention. He says, so likewise, verse 31, when you see these things, this confusion on the earth, earthquakes, rumors of wars, wars, famines, pestilences, pandemics, it says. We didn't read that part, but it's in the first part of Luke 21. He said, so likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know you, know you that the kingdom of God is at hand. It's close. We're getting close. Amen. Heaven and earth will pass away, 
but my words will never pass away. In other words, you can count on what God said to be true. It is more true than your friend's opinion. It is more true than Mr. Uh, Mr. Professor, you know, with his PhD and his, you know, 160, you know, uh, aptitude or whatever it is that he's got, you know, IQ. It's more, God's word is more true than any word out there. How do we know that the Bible's real? Because it has predicted a lot of things that nobody else predicted and we see them right now. I mean, the Bible is the most accurate book ever written. It predicted, there were 350 prophecies about Jesus, when it, where he would be born, how he would be born, to what kind of person he would be born, the, the attitude of the earth at the time. 350 prophecies in the Old Testament about the birth of Jesus and when he was born, every single one of them was fulfilled. When people try to tell you, well, you can't trust that Bible. Oh, honey, you can trust this more. You, you Surely you can trust it in this more than Fox News. CNN and MSNBC. Surely to God, you're not putting your faith in them. Because you got a bunch of mostly ungodly people that don't know, they have a bunch of opinions and very little facts. Amen. Don't get me off into that because I love to get into that. But it's true. But notice what he says here. Heaven and earth will pass away. My words won't pass away. And take heed to yourselves. Now this is what we're supposed to be doing. Take heed to yourselves lest at any time, at, at what time? Anytime your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness. Hello? Why does pastor talk about alcohol as much as he does? Because some of some of church believes you can drink wine. Some of some of church believes you can have a couple six packs with the boys. Some of some of church believes you can take a few shots as long as you don't, you know, stagger and fall out as you go out the door. That's why. Okay, but why does, because pastor's trying to keep you from getting overcharged and falling into a trap. Yeah, but it says drunkenness. Well, honey, all drunkenness starts with one drink. Hello? Hello, McFly? Wake up. Now, notice this. Drunkenness and cares of this life so that the day come upon you unawares. So he said, there's a caution here that right before Jesus does come for his people, they've got to be ready. Or they're going to be just like the world. They're going to be out there in the world, in fear, drunk, partying, acting like the world, all afraid of everything and just overcome with the cares of this life. He said, and then the day will come on you and you won't even know it came. See, you got to understand when Jesus comes back in the rapture, there's going to be a multi, 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 multitude of people left on this earth and some are not even going to know that he came. They're going to say, they're going to try to explain it away like they always do. Like they're doing now, trying to explain away things with their little. See, they're ma- see when you make up facts, they're not facts. Let me say it again: when you make up facts, they're not facts. I mean, you just pull some statistic out of the air when we know that you haven't done the research for it. Come on, that's not a fact. And so believe me, when Jesus comes and a bunch of people disappear from this earth, suddenly they're going to come up with all kinds of little, the people that are left, oh, don't worry. There was a strangeness in the air and there was some mist that came over. There's something that never happened. There's an alien ship that's way. They'll come up with something, but they're surely not going to let you know that it was God. 
And listen, some of God's people are not going to go in the rapture. Because we have the principle of the 50% principle that two will be at the meal, one left, one taken. Two in the bed, one left, one taken. And listen, he's not talking about an unbeliever. He's talking about God's people because we have the parable of the 10 virgins that, by the way, all had oil in their lamp, which is a symbol of they were all saved. See, some of you have been told once you're saved, you can't violate it, you can't change it, you're good to go. Well, maybe, I don't know if you can violate your eternal soul. I'll leave that between you and God to decipher that out. I have my own strong opinion based on the scripture on it. But I can tell you this much, I can guarantee you it's not one saved. If you're here during the rapture, you're all going. There's going to be a lot of God's people left here. Just because you've been to church, just because you have a Bible, wear some cross earrings, cross around your neck, and you drew a cross on that little tablet you had, it's not going to get you into heaven. Because those 10 virgins all had oil and they were told, now the bridegroom's coming. We don't know when he's coming, but you got to make sure you keep oil in your lamp. Because when he comes, only the ones that have oil in their lamp are going to go with him. And so the Bible says there were five wise virgins. They made sure if their oil got low at all, they kept it full. In other words, we would liken that as to believers who don't, don't believe, I got saved and now I can stay home. No, they're believers that believe I got to go to the house of God and get recharged. I got to get recharged. I got to get recharged. I got to go. Faith doesn't come from having heard. Faith comes from hearing. So I got to go to the house of God and sit under the anointing and be where, there's, where the worship is and where God's people are and, and I can get what I need. That would, be like the, that would be like who the five wise virgins were. But there were five foolish virgins. And they just used up their oil and they said, you know what? We, hey, we're, hey we're, we're one of the ten. We've already been counted, so we don't really have to worry. I'm sure when he comes, he'll take us anyway. Whether we got oil or not, we don't have to be like that. That would be Christians say, I don't need to go to church. I can still go to the club. I can still take a few shots with the guys. God, God knows that my sex drive is a man, and he doesn't really expect me to be with just one woman. Now, I'm talking about Christian people with this attitude. I'm not talking about unbelievers. So there's going to be these five foolish ones over here. And the Bible says something happened they didn't expect. At midnight, which is not the time you would expect a bridegroom to come get his bride, at midnight, the bridegroom came. And he said, make ready now. Make haste. Come. But there were five that had kept their oil in the lamp. We would say as Christians kept coming to church, read their Bible, prayed, didn't listen to their friends, didn't care whether their friends liked them or not, had forsaken the world, were doing their best to live a Christian life. When the bridegroom came, they were ready to go. But there were five foolish ones over here and they were not ready to go at all. They said, well, let me get some of your oil. But see, honey, you can't get to heaven on my salvation. I love my kids and I love my grandkids and I got two of them sitting right here, but at some point, they're going to have to believe in God for themselves. Grandma and grandpa's faith is not going to get them into heaven. At some point, they're going to have to open up their heart and open up their life and open up their mouth and talk to God and receive it. I'm, I'm not saying they have or haven't. I'm just using that as an illustration. Right? But now we've got these, these guys and gals preaching from pulpits today telling people they're ready to go when they're certainly not ready to go. I mean, you know, they're still living like the world and acting like the world and talking like the world and being like the world and, and everything like the world. And by the way, the pastor's the same one too. He comes in there dressed, like I said, like he got out of a fishing boat somewhere. And you go back and look at the Bible, it says the priest had to wear certain robes. People knew when the priest walked into the room. And he didn't look like everybody else. 
He wasn't trying to be like everybody else. Dr. Barkley, I know you've heard him use this illustration, but isn't it a great one? He said, you know, people say, well, you know, if you're going to reach this generation as a pastor, you need to take off your suit, take off your coat, put on a nice, you know, hip shirt, some skinny jeans. I am not wearing skinny jeans. You know, just so you can reach that generation. No, you do not want to see me, Dad, and I'm not going to. Just so you can reach that generation, you need to dress down because that way you can catch more people. Dr. Barkley said that would be like me going out bass fishing and saying, wait a minute, I'm not going to use tackle and bait and the right stuff. I'm going to put on an outfit that makes me look like a bass, and then I know all the bass will get in the boat. Is that not foolish? No, you do not put on an outfit that makes you look like a bass and expect bass to go, oh, I'm going to jump right in that boat. Right? No. Uh, but, you know, if a leader's going to lead, they have to lead. Leaders are not supposed to come down and be like everyone else. They're supposed to try to lift people and help people and encourage people and cause them to want to wanna rise higher and be better and become everything they can be. And it's not about your suit of clothes. I mean, I know there are a lot of people who wear suits that are going to hell. I, my suit is not going to get me to heaven, but I am going to represent God the best I can. Now, if it's a pair of jeans and a shirt, that's all I got. Praise the Lord. Wear it to church. Come on in and just worship God with all you got. But if God's beginning to bless you, it's, it's time for you to say, you know what? I'm going to wear the best I have before the, before the Father and before the King. Amen. You don't go out before somebody you really, really, that's really important and respect and go in there in flip-flops and a shorts. You go in there dressed like you're going somewhere. Now, I'm not talking about, again, in this church, Listen, I always tell people, you can come to this church. I don't care what you wear. At least make sure it's a little more than a fig leaf. Because in the garden, they didn't have the right idea. You know, after they fell, the Bible says they sewed some fig leaves together and made a little apron to cover up the, the spots. God looked at that and said, okay, guys, first of all, you're too cheap. Read your Bible. God looked at them and said, you are, you're too cheap. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put some furs on you. And God killed some animals and clothed them in furs. See, our idea is fig leaves. God's idea is furs. Can you shout amen? All right, now, so then let's read on a little bit more. I even closed my Bible, but you know I can get over there in just about any time. So here again in Luke 21, and we'll look down. I think we finished reading there by verse 34. So we'll look here at verse 35. So as that day come upon you unaware, verse 35, for as a snare shall it come on all them that dwell on the face of the earth. So he says it's going to come so quickly, a snare would be like a trap, something you don't expect. You're walking along and it happens. Now here's what we want to get to is verse 36, which we've been reading. It says, watch you therefore. Everybody say me. Here's what we're supposed to be doing. Watch you therefore and pray how often? Shout it. Oh, so just because I prayed that prayer when I was 16 at the altar is not going to be good enough. Just because I prayed last month, the last time I went to church, the Bible says that's not going to be good enough, right? It says, watch and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass. So God is saying, 
before Jesus appears and all this real trouble starts on the earth, God is making an escape route out. It's called the rapture. But he said, for those of us that are here, we're going to have to be watching and praying and ready. We can't have faded back into the life that God delivered us from and expect to go. If God, when you got saved, and I mean if you really got saved, I got, I got saved to the bone. I was 17 years old. I was a smart aleck little kid. I thought I knew more than everybody on the planet. I didn't need God and I didn't need church and I don't believe in any of that stuff and I didn't want any part of it. But when I had a dream, I went to hell. I died and went to hell and it was vivid and it was real. I ran to church and I got born again and all of that. I began to find out things were not what I thought they were. Can you say amen? And God saved me from some things that I was, you know, I was messing around with a bunch of guys, doing a bunch of crazy stuff. So God didn't deliver me out of that so he could save me and say, now you can go back into it. Amen? I mean, where do we think, if God delivered you from alcohol when you got born again, why do you think it's okay for you to drink it now? If God delivered you from drugs... When you got saved, why do you think it's okay to shoot it, snort, snort it? I don't know, there's so many ways they can put it in there now, I don't even want to think about it, but, right? Why would you think it'd be okay now? If God delivered you from being a womanizer or a, a man-eater. <laughs> Hall of notes. <laughs> hey, I'm an equal opportunist. If God delivered you from that, why do you think it's okay now that you become a Christian to run back in and start living that life again and still call yourself a Christian? And do you know how bad that looks on Christ? Do you know how offensive it is? Because you go to work and tell them, I'm a Christian. And they know how you cuss. They know how you drink. They know how you hit on every woman in the office. Can somebody in this house at least give me a grunt? We need pastors with some backbone. Pastors are not looking to be popular. Amen. Not looking to be, you know, you know, the hip, cool guy on the, on the block. We need pastors that will read the Bible and say, this is the Bible. Folks, this is the Bible. Wake up. Be ready. Now, if you're ready, there's great news. You get to go. You're not going to be down here for any of this. The, real cra the really crazy stuff hasn't even broken out yet. But if you're ready, you're not going to have to worry about it. Amen. Now, we're not going to read from 1 Thessalonians, but it's one of the greatest passages. I know I've been talking about it. I know we have read it before. We read it in the first service. We actually spent most of our time there where the Bible says in the last days, it's talking about all the times, and it says the Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Now, he's talking about God's going to take dust, specks, DNA, whatever's left. Don't worry if they were cremated. Don't worry if they were burned. Don't worry if they were lost at sea. If God can make a man out of basically a speck of ground, he can put a body back in place. But the Bible says the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Your grandma that knew the Lord, your mom, your dad, your loved ones, maybe a 
a sister, maybe a brother, God forbid, maybe a child, maybe even a spouse that knew the Lord. You, if you, if they knew the Lord and you continue to know him, you are going to see them again. Amen. The Bible says we which are alive remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds. Together, together with them. You're going to be together with them again. You're going to be together with them again. You're going to be together with them again. You haven't seen them for the last time. And the next time you see them, they're not going to be hurting and crippled and broken and whatever it was that they were at the end of their life. They're going to be in the best condition. You, never even, you have never even seen them the way you're going to see them. That's what we have to look forward to. And it's talking about the resurrection of the people that know God, that have gone on before. Their spirit went to be with the Lord, but one day God's going to bring up that particle and make a body and put their spirit back in a body that can't know death, can't know hurt, can't know fear, can't ever, I mean, and forever. Are you listening to me? What a glorious day. What an amazing day. It's going to be awesome. I remember when I was out on the job, and I know you've heard my stories, but I was out on the job, and back in those days in the 90s, I had just gotten a pager. How many of you know what a pager is? <laughs> this generation doesn't even know what it is because there were none of these at all. Nowhere. You didn't have these. Now, there were some portable phones that were about this big. They looked like an army field, you know, thing. <laughs> they weighed about five pounds, and it cost you a dollar a minute to talk on those darn things. I got, I got their daddy one. He troubled me as a little, oh, dad, please get, oh, dad, I want one so bad. Now, son, if I get you one, you're going to run up and be, oh, no, dad, I won't, I promise, I swear. I went for his birthday, I got him, it cost me $99 for this phone, it was about this big. And it, and it came with uh, uh, like 99 minutes at a dollar a minute, and that's it. If you go over, then it was like $150, I don't know. What it was. I said, no, don't you go over, man, oh, dad, you don't have to worry about it. Man, that first bill came in, I was like, what? <laughs> He'll tell you this. And that was the end of his phone days. I didn't have a phone. I had a pager. So a little thing about this big that clipped on the side of your belt. And what would happen is if somebody tried to call you, it would vibrate. You couldn't talk in it. You couldn't text in it. We didn't know what text it was. You just knew that somebody called and then you had to go find a pay phone. They don't even know what that is. You had to find a pay phone and call that number back. And I got a, a call one morning. I was working on a house painting out by uh, Northeast High School right across from it. In a brand, they were brand new homes back in that day. And I called back and I found out my mother had passed. She'd been in the hospital and she had passed. But my mom, I, t I know I've told you a lot about her, but, but those last 16 years of her life, she was a Christian. Now, those first 62 years was a total, complete disaster and a wreck. She made every wrong decision you could make. But man, she lived as a Christian, and she was so ready to go. My mom was afraid of everything, as I've told you. I've been telling you, my, and Ginger knows this. She was afraid of everything except dying. She wasn't afraid at all about dying. I couldn't believe, I mean, this is a woman that was afraid of everything, everything. But she had gotten so much confidence in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And 1 Corinthians, by the way, write it down, chapter 15, and read down through there, which says this, listen, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this about verse 53. It says, this mortal, 
Everybody do this to yourself. Say, this mortal. Now, how many of you know you're mortal? If you don't believe that, jump off a couple of buildings and tell me how it winds up for you. I tried as a little kid. I watched Superman back when he was just Superman who just liked Lois Lane and girls. I watched Superman and I put a cape on my back as a little six-year-old boy. And I thought, well, man, all you got to do is put a cape on. I took a towel and tied it around my neck. And I went out and said, But I didn't, I went, thank goodness it was only about this high. Everyone say, this mortal. Listen to what it says in 1 Corinthians. This mortal must put on immortality. Say, must put on immortality. Did you know you're going to be immortal one day? Did you know the day is coming when we're done on this earth, whether we live all our days out and then go to heaven or if the Lord returns with a shout while we're alive? Do you know the day's coming where you are going to be superhuman? This is, not, this is not Marvel Comics or DC Comics or some little thing that somebody dreamed up. This is reality. The Bible says this mortal must put on immortality. This corruptible must put on incorruption. And it says that this saying might be fulfilled, that death is swallowed up in victory. So my mom did not fear death, which was shocking because she feared everything. I, I'm just, I can't emphasize to you what a warrior she was, but she got so peaceful about her relationship with the Lord that she started saying, son, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And then, you know, you've heard me tell the story how she wrote that song about heaven. And a couple weeks before she passes, she writes a song about heaven. And so I get the page and I make the phone call and we finally, uh, Ginger was also working, I think, were you still working in Nashville then? No, she was still work, she was working for the school system here in those days. And we got together and we went and we found out from the nurse that, that the nurse said, I went in to give her, you've heard the story. I went in to give her her little bird bath in her, in her, you know, she couldn't go into a shower. I was bathing her there in her bed. And she looked at me and she said, I think I'll go home now. And she closed her eyes and went to heaven. Now that's what you want. That's the way to go right there, man. Just I think I'll go. I think, I think I'll go home now. She wasn't talking about back to her house. She was talking about going home. She'd just written a song. Someday I'm going to move up to heaven. Someday, some glorious day. And she wrote this little song. And we sang, uh, Ginger sang it at, at the funeral. And, and, and I just thought about the peace that she had. Now the Bible, for those of us that believers, are, are believers, we have this confidence, it says. We have this confidence in Christ. And I know for this next generation, it's hard for them to grab hold. Uh, my generation, I was still part of that sort of post-hippie Jesus music movement that happened in the late 60s. I kind of, that wave was still going on in the 70s. And it was easier for me to slip into it. Even though a lot of my friends made fun of me, it was still easy for me to become a Christian then. This generation, it's a little tougher for our young people. There's so much junk out there. So much junk. But we got to pray for them. Amen. And love on them. Now, Revelations chapter 4, you don't have to go there, but we read it last week. After chapters 2 and 3, where Jesus addresses the churches, and by the way, there's seven of them. They're in what would be modern-day Turkey off the Aegean Sea. This is the same place, not very far from, the Isle of, far from the Isle of Patmos, where John got the revelation from the book of Revelation. This is where all this took place. Jesus addresses the seven churches in chapters 2 and 3. You ought to read it sometimes. And Jesus talks to every one of those churches, and he tells them what he has against them. 
And there's certain things that really Jesus hates. He said, I hate this about you. Now, that's pretty strong when Jesus says, I hate anything. That's, you don't even expect that to come out of his mouth. He said, I hate this. And he's talking to churches. He said, there's some things about you that you know better as a church. To be putting up with this, to be approving of it, to be allowing it, to saying it's okay. He said, and I hate this about you. We don't want to be one of those churches. Amen? But we get to chapter 4, and John says, at this time I was caught up into heaven, it says. And then from then on, we see the picture in heaven. In chapter 5, we see the saints around God's throne. That It says those that were blood washed. So it has to be the church, has to be believers in chapter 5. And they're around the throne in chapter 5. And that's before any of the great tribulation begins on the earth. The church is already in heaven around the throne with God. That's his believers. That's you and me. And you ought to give the Lord a shout and a praise for that. Amen. So here we are positioned for this. Now, you don't hear the church mentioned again in the book of Revelation until around chapter, the latter part of chapter 18 because that's the time the great tribulation is going on in the earth. The church isn't mentioned because the church isn't here. But I'm not just talking about people, again, that have a Bible, that have been to church, that have been in a program. Maybe so. I'm talking about people that were ready and are with him. Because there will be some people go through the great tribulation. Some that will have to give their lives even during that great tribulation. And some who thought they were ready who were not. And we don't want to be those people. Now, the one other thing I want to say in closing is I, I, preached the, I, I taught the entire book of Revelation here in our Bible school. We went from Revelations 1-1 to Revelations chapter 22 and verse 21, which is the last verse of the book of Revelation and the last verse of the Bible. We covered every verse during that Bible school. And uh, one thing I want to point out to you is you've been told incorrectly that the book of Revelation is all about the Antichrist, the beast, the mark of the beast, 666. You've been told that that's really what the whole book of Revelation is about. Let me tell you this. If you mention the beast and the Antichrist and the false prophet, which work together, and by the way, Antichrist and beast the same, if you mention it and you look it up in the book of Revelations, you know how many times total that they all are mentioned? Twelve. You know how many times Jesus is mentioned in the book of Revelations? Fifty-five times. Fifty-five times compared to only twelve about the beast and the false prophet and all of that. You know how many times angels are mentioned in the book of Revelations? Fifty-five times. So the book of Revelation is more about Jesus and his angels than it is about the, the beast and the mark of the beast and the false prophet. Honey, verse 3 says you're blessed if you hear it and you read it and you keep it. It says this book, the book of Revelation is actually a blessed book. It says you're blessed if you read it, blessed if you hear it, and blessed if you keep it. And we've been told, oh God. And there's no reason for it. If we're walking with God, if we're watching and praying, if we're doing what God wants us to do when our time comes or when he appears in the clouds, if that's, then we have nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. 
I, I'm an optimist. I really am. I would love to tell you the world's going to get better. Things are going to smooth out. Uh, Washington, D.C., we're going to get that all straightened out. But listen, we, every two to four years or six years, we swap up up there every time, and it always is. It may look differently the next time, but it, the result's always the same. It's a mess. It's always the same. It's a mess. So our faith isn't there. Our faith is not in social media or the metaverse now. It's not in any of that. Our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's coming again. The Lord told me, and I'm going to have to remind myself, so if I don't do it every time, just know that I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me with this. The Lord told me, he said, from now on till you're done on this earth, every time you preach, even if it's not your subject, make sure you say in your sermon, Jesus is coming soon. He told me to start saying that Jesus is coming soon. So I'm going to start saying to you, I might be preaching on hope or some other kind of subject every week, but I'm going to tell you, but just remember this, Jesus is coming soon. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.